With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Husker CuzCast for all podcast updates and more. we got a great show planned tonight. Uh, we made it two in a row with a win over Buffalo 28-3 and it's also Oklahoma week. Uh, it's a week that we've been waiting for for a few years now. Uh, but let's talk about this Buffalo game. I guess the best way to group this game is there was a lot of good. Some bad, and then there's some ugly in this game. So that's the categories that we're going to use here to uh, break this game down. Uh, but before we do that, Tyler, what were your overall feelings on the game, how it played out? I, I think it's easy to say, it's Buffalo, it's Buffalo. But none of us saw this game unfolding like this. I, I think we talked about how 14 points for Nebraska seemed pretty generous. And I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I was very impressed. Probably easily the best performance Nebraska's had all season. Derek. Well, I, I think you could say it's the easiest, the best performance only because Fordham was Fordham. Uh, that, that, that to me was the more complete game, but we were playing Fordham. Uh, it, it was a good game overall. Like, uh, I believe Tom Chattel was the one that was talking about how all these fans came in and was talking about how they wouldn't be shocked if Buffalo came in here and gave us a run for our money. And there was even a chance of an upset for Buffalo to beat Nebraska. And to come out and beat them 28-3, to I, I think it really proved that Nebraska's on the right track. Uh, overall, I thought it was a really good game. I, I thought we did most things right. There's a lot of good. So let's talk about this good. Uh, Tyler, give us your one of your goods here. Well, I got to stop. Start with the quarterback, Adrian Martinez. Um, you know, a lot of people are talking about how good Adrian Martinez was on Saturday, but I I would say that's just a normal game from Adrian Martinez. I mean, we see that type of performance more often than not. But to highlight a few of his stats, he went 13 for 19, uh, which is 68 percent, 249 yards passing with an average completion of uh, 12.7 yards. Um, he had nine carries for 112 yards. Um, but I think what really set this game apart is he was pressured a lot on Saturday. And, he, I mean, he looked like Eric Crouch, Taylor Martinez, being Houdini back there, just escaping pressure all day, kept his eyes downfield. And, you know, Justin, I don't know if you're ready to eat your words yet, but he can throw downfield. And he's looked damn good throwing downfield this season so far. Yeah. Well, just just to add to that, I mean, he he, he averaged twelve point seven yards per attempt, and I mean, I know he didn't have a ton of attempts, but that's pretty damn good. And then he averaged eighteen point six yards per completion. I got throwing downfield. It was good to see him doing it too. 
he ran a ball very well. He had two touchdowns in this game. You know, the last time Taylor or Adrian Martinez had two touchdowns in a game passing. Uh, was it Ruggers? No, Maryland in 2019. Really? Yeah. And I, I have to wonder, and I'm going to sound like Justin here for a minute, but apparently Mario, Mario Verduzco is on the sideline now. So is maybe coming out of the box helping everything? I told you guys, being down, up at the box is down full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did hear that, which I thought was pretty crazy that he was down at the sideline. But if it's working, hey, whatever. Yeah, he's, he's been on the sideline all year. And uh, Adrian Martinez yeah. was asked about that uh, a couple weeks ago. And they wanted to ask him how he liked it. And he said, you know, he loves uh, Mario on the field with him. And then they asked him, I was like, uh, how did that come about? Did you request him? He goes, I don't want to get into that. And so I was like, hmm, I wonder what. There's like a story there. And I'm kind of curious on what that story is. But when he says, I'm not going to get into that. It's like, well, anyway, but go ahead, Derek. Uh, but, you know, I mean, Tyler, we talked about uh, at, at the beginning of the season, we talked about uh, limiting Adrian Martinez's carries, too. And, I mean, he only had nine carries this game, eight carries last game. He ran probably a little too much in the, in the Illinois game. But the game was on the line. He probably needed to, I guess. Uh, so I think they've done a fairly good job of limiting his carries. Well, and I think that I know we're not going to really get into too much of this, but I think that goes into the general play calling. Um, I, I've been actually fairly impressed with the play calling offensive strategy most of the season. And, and you talk about the nine carries on Saturday, um, but but half of them were not designed runs. Like they are not uh, they, they are not designing a lot of carries for Adrian Martinez. He's having to scramble. He's making plays. Uh, and the other thing about Adrian's performance on Saturday, and this is now a couple games, you know what he looks really great at is running that option, that yeah. that old school Nebraska option. Like he he does a good job of inviting the defender in. Uh, he gets the pitch, and he is, you know, he doesn't pitch late. He pitches at the right moment, and uh, I, he might take too I, much I, contact. Is that where you're going on that, or do you no, think his pitches aren't I, good? I, 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 his pitches seem to work out really well, but his pitches are all like ten yards. They're they're, they're gambles. I mean, he's he's playing they with are. fire. He's playing with and, fire and, on and some and of those. Where where I disagree with you is he's, you're saying he doesn't pitch late, but there's been a few of them. I'm like, oh Jesus, you should have got rid of that a while ago. It's not so much the well, contact. It's there's been a few times where I was like, man, I don't know how he even got the ball to Smore Tory on that one. Well, uh, I think that was against Fordham, but how he even got the ball to him is beyond me on that touchdown. I guess what I say is, like, I don't think he's been like hit, and he hasn't. He gets hit as soon as he pitches the ball. Like there, it is. He I, waits I, don't, the don't last me, second. Don't get me wrong. For a guy who is not an option style quarterback, he's running the option very well. I mean, I'm not. I'm not complaining. I just my my gut starts to turn a little bit when I see these long pitches. Because it's a, it's it's a mistake waiting to happen. I'm waiting for him to tuck it and run. He's pitched every single time so far. I'm waiting for him to tuck that ball and just go. And he's gonna get he's gonna gash some defense because he is the best running quarterback in America. Well, you know, in 1997, our coaches apparently had to go tell Oklahoma how to stop the option. So I, maybe I that'll that be this story. game here. 
<laughs> I, I never, I've never heard story that story heard. before. Yeah. I had never heard that story either, but I found it amazing. Uh, so but, maybe that'll happen this game. Like we can just run the option all damn game. Maybe but, run the run the damn ball guy would be super happy, wouldn't he? But but Justin, I want to go back to what you said. So you believe Adrian Martinez is the best running quarterback? I mean that that's high praise. I mean, I don't know how you can argue that. I mean, he is what he is doing. Look, I've been critical of Adrian Martinez for the last two years, but this year, this is an Adrian Martinez that I did not expect that uh, we would see. His, well, this, I think this is Adrian Martinez we all expect to see his sophomore year. Yeah, but, but yeah, we we did, but we never saw it. And no, we did. I'm not saying we did, but this is the Adrian we expected to see. Yeah, but. And but, it just took us two more years to get to it. Well, but but I will go back and say this. And, and again, he is definitely throwing the ball downfield better. He is running as well as he's ever ran the ball. Um, all things, you know, a lot of things he's doing probably better than he has done. But but this is the reality. And I, and I say this, and not to be a naysayer, not to put a damper on the good section, he is going to have another not-so-good game. And he is... The, the problem with Adrian Martinez and the problem with this team is... Can this team like survive a not great game from Adrian Martinez? And the answer is no. They're they're it, not good they're, enough to handle that. And, and that's the unfair thing to Adrian Martinez because he's going to take. There will be a game. He's going to have another fumble. I, I will bet he's going to fumble the ball. He's probably going to have an interception. He's going to have a poor game at some point. It just sucks that it's always all on him, and the team never like all the games he plays great in. It just. You know, it just they don't seem to lift him up when he has his off day. Well, I, th- I think the thing with with Adrian Martinez is can he not be Taylor Martinez? And by that, I mean, when he screws up and has that fumble or throws that interception, can he get out of his own head and just start playing good ball again? Because that was what that was always a big concern with Taylor Martinez. Once he screwed up, he was done for the rest of the game. And I think Adrian's kind of in that same boat. Like it seems to get in his head a little bit too easy. I don't have any, I don't have any thoughts on that. I, I don't know. I've, I've never thought about it that way. Uh, I, I think he's pretty, uh, I think he has the right mindset every game. I don't think he ever gets taken out of the game due to his, you know, what's going on in his head. I haven't seen no, that. I, I, I don't, I don't mean that. I just, I think, I think he's too hard on himself sometimes when he makes a mistake. And he tries so hard not to make another mistake. Well, he's playing loose right now, and you talk he about is. the you talk about the pitches, but he also had a pass on Saturday that, like, I mean, oh, it was the best I, play of the, the game. The, the shuffle pass, go yeah, it was the, the best play of the game to me. I, I loved it. It, it. it was a shuffle pass twenty five yards down the field, and <laughs> it, he had a wide open Chris Hickman, but it was the right play. But he's but that is a player that's not fear of failure. He is not playing scared right now. He is playing with the most confidence. And I think you have a point. Is okay. Well, will he still play at that level of confidence if he has that turnover? If, if that pitch gets a little bit away from him and it goes out like is he going to play at that same level of confidence um and also i think a thing is it probably helps that he isn't jumping for the ball half the snaps right now like he's not that's true um, and that's a point that we've brought up for the last two years like can, can he just get good snaps and what does that do for him i also think leaning down and not being quite the weight that he was is helping him a lot he looks quicker I don't know if that's making him help make better decisions, but he's making good decisions. And maybe part of that's having Verduzco on the sideline. I, I don't know what the answer is for that. Maybe it's just being a fourth-year starter. 
But he is making better decisions, I think. Uh, Derek, what is uh, one of the good things that you saw out of this game? Well, let's talk about probably the best thing about this game was the defense as a whole. Ah, man, I tell you, these guys only gave up 4.5 yards per completion. Uh, Luke Reimer was defensive player of the game, had an interception that, man, he was so close to taking in for a touchdown. I was was hoping he'd get it, and he just didn't quite make it there. Uh, They just completed their seventh game under 400 yards. And the last time Nebraska went seven games of of not giving up more than 400 yards was 0-9-10 seasons. Like it's been a long time since we've been able to do this, and so good defenses too. Oh, oh, absolutely! And it's also the least amount of points we've given up through first three games since '09. And you could talk about well, we've only played Illinois, Fordham, and Buffalo, but there's been other years where we played some teams that, I mean, it would have been easy to do, and we just didn't do it. You know, I, I, I believe 2014, we played FAU, McNeese State, and Fresno State. Like, that's a season. That was Bo Pelini defense. That's a season you would think you'd be able to hold them down to nothing. And we didn't do it that season either. So I, th- I think it speaks volumes that they've held, you know, three teams as, mo- as low as they have. And, re- and really, they're getting credited for, te- for nine points in that Illinois game that the defense had nothing to do with. Uh, but in, in this particular game, man, I just I, – it, it was just – it was phenomenal to me. We gave – we didn't give up 4.1 yards per carry, but I think that really came on about two runs. Other than that, we really shut their run game down. Only gave up 135 yards uh, against a, a team that's been known to run the ball very well over the last three years. So I, how, how you can look at this defense and sit here and just – not be in awe of them. I mean, they're not a top 10 defense. I'm not saying that, but they are definitely exceeding my expectations on what I thought they would be this year. Tyler, what do you think? Because you thought this uh, defense had the uh, ability to be a top 20 defense. Are you still on on course with that? Well, I'm back back on the course. I guess it's probably a better way because through two weeks, I don't know if I saw it, but I I think a lot has to do with what they did uh, against the team. They did it. Um, Derek, you hit a little bit on Buffalo, but so Buffalo um, last year was fifth in the country in total offense. Um, this we saw what they did against Mercer, which is kind of one of the reasons I think we all were puckering our butts a little bit Wagner. heading in the set. Wagner. Wagner, sorry, whatever. What was one of the reasons why we were all a little bit scared heading in? Who played Mercer recently? Alabama. Alabama. Okay, uh, but one of the reasons why. Uh, we we're, were all so concerned heading into this game Saturday is because we saw that offense click. Um, and, and so the, the fact that they played so well was quite amazing. And Buffalo, one of the one of the areas that Nebraska um, did really well on Saturday was pass rush. Um, they, they didn't get a lot of sacks, but they were in the backfield quite a bit. And Buffalo last season only allowed one sack and only gave up five quarterback hurries. And I think the stats on that are a little bit misleading. We've talked about that, but like what exactly we finished with uh, – pass hurries um uh, according to sean callahan and pro football focus uh um we had uh oh i just had that open and i lost it well on, jo- on jojo doman's uh podcast uh the beat i think it's called uh sean callahan says that we hurried the quarterback 21 times now espn has it at seven I seen another stat somewhere where it said I think it was fifteen. So I mean, 
take your pick, I guess. Yeah. I, mean, I think that I think his set was uh, twenty one pressures. Okay. What's the difference? Shit, if I know, I don't know. How, it depends. But, but which I, I guess I don't know. But the, but, the, but but again, they, Ben Stilley was a very big part of it. He played really well in the backfield. Damian Daniels has played really well at that nose guard position. I mean, I think across the board. Uh, Played really well. And my last thing is, Derek, you hit Luke Reimer. He was the guy that I, I circled last week in the preparation saying he needs a big game. He had it. He was not only our player of the game, he was the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. Um, yeah, I mean, a, a really, really great showing for the Blackshirts on Saturday. Well, and Nick Henrich had a really good game. Like, both of our, both our inside linebackers. I, Barrett Root is doing a phenomenal job for, for a guy who's the least paid coach on the staff. And a guy that we all kind of went, he is, he is the best candidate. I, t- I tell you what, for, for a guy who's missing his stud linebacker and Will Honus, he's really doing a good job with the three he has. Yeah, and I, I, I do want to name one more guy because I don't think we've brought him up really this whole season is Caleb Tanner. He, yeah, he, he had a good he game is, too. He's he, come around to be a really good up, rush. But it was for a bad things. <laughs> Well, yeah, we brought him up for the bat, but he's actually had a three. I mean, besides that really bad play, which again, whatever on the 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 roughing the passer against Illinois, but he has had a really good season. It had another good game on Saturday. Again, uh, Justin's boy Deontay Williams continues to have a hell of a year. Yeah. Um, I know Cam Taylor Britt special teams has not been pretty, but he uh, he played eighty some snaps on Saturday. He was targeted uh, seven times and only gave up three completions. I mean, is Deontay Williams the best defender in the secondary this year? He's proven to be right now. I can he keep it up? I don't know, but but uh, yeah, right now he looks like he is. He, I don't know what Travis Fisher has uh, uh, preached to these guys. I mean, I'm sure he's preached it, but. The tackling's been better. You don't see a lot of launching. You don't see. You, He's a ball you know, hawk, we haven't man. had. I mean, we're, we're not getting helmet to helmet contact. We're they're just playing good ball right now. He's all over. That's the a field. great call out, Derek. I, I didn't even think about that, but they, they they've been tackling really well. And, and and again, the launching that was a criticism last year, uh, especially out of the safeties. And and again, so just to your question, I mean, I think. Yeah, if you have to say through three games, I think definitely Deontay Williams is leading the pack right now. I mean, I I don't know if I'm quite ready to put him ahead of Cam Taylor Britt. We'll give give another game or two, but he's played the best so far this year. Well, I guess we'll know a lot I, more next week because we're about to play a very good passing team next week. So I guess uh, we can hold off on the praise till next week. Uh, I want to get my good in for the game, and that's got to be Samori Torre. Uh, what a game he had. Uh, he only had two receptions, but they were both for TDs, 136 yards, including a 68-yarder. He now has over 300 yards. Two 68-yarders. 268? Okay, yeah, you're yeah. right. And he has uh, 306 uh, receiving yards on the year. Now, and, and just not to – sorry not to interrupt you, but don't forget he also had another touchdown. It was like a 30-yard touchdown that was called back yeah. for a bogus offensive pass interference, which we'll get to that portion later. But, I mean, the guy, the guy touched the ball three times and should have had three touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, he is playing lights out. You know, I, 
when he came to Nebraska out of Montana, you know, I kind of had concerns how his uh, that elite status at FCS would translate at Nebraska. And wow, he is he is the real deal. We, we had talked before the season if we would have a receiver uh, have a thousand yards receiving. Well, he's on pace to do that, Tyler. Uh, I don't know if we any of us saw a thousand yard receiver, but if someone's going to get there, it's going to be Toure. I mean, that dude means a lot to this wide receiver room. Derek? I I, th- I think I think what he is to me is what I thought kind of I know was going to be when he transferred from Cal. Like I, I had big big aspirations for that guy, and he never panned out. And Samori Tory, when he he came in from Montana. I had I had high aspirations for him, but not like I did kind of Ainoa. And man, he is just he's lighting it up. And I, I tell you, Oklahoma's uh secondary is a little suspect and he may have a pretty big game against him, but I don't want to jump ahead, but we're talking about him, so I'm gonna talk about him. Uh I mean it, it's Adrian Martinez's go to guy, I think. Like I it, but it's the difference between him and like a Wondell Robinson is he's his go-to guy, but he doesn't have to go to him ten times a game. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's still a guy. It's it's his it's his relief valve, and it, it it's working out well. He gets open. He runs crisp routes. When he gets the ball in open field, he makes some good moves. He knows where to run to get away from defenders. Uh, you know, on that first touchdown, right before the second, right before the first half ended. He caught the ball in stride, which was a great throw by Adrian Martinez. But when he cut to the left there and just kept going left to get away from that defender, it, it was the only spot to, to run. It was the smartest spot to run. A lot of guys would have just tried to run upfield. And I think if he had run upfield, he probably would have got caught by the defender. But once he started running diagonally, there was just no – because he never had to stop stride at all. So you just he, there was no chance for that defender to ever catch him. So so he's pretty fast even. I mean, for a 6'3 guy, pretty damn quick. Tyler, thoughts on Toure? I, I think you guys hit it all. Um, really good start to the year. He's done, a, you know, carrying the ball a little bit. We've seen not so much Saturday, but he's done it all over. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he is the real deal right now. All right, let's transition to the bad. Uh, we did have some bad things that showed up in this game. Tyler, what is your bad? Well, I got to start with uh, the offensive line. Guys, this position group has uh, really been struggling. Um, it's been three games now. They, they could not generate any sort of holes. I, I talked about Adrian Martinez being Houdini. Well, he had to because Buffalo was in the backfield all day. Um I expected the struggle early in the year and you know to my not surprise he has yeah that's I, I, I disagree with you a little bit I thought the pass blocking was okay it was far from great but it was okay there were there were a lot of throws Adrian Martinez had plenty of time to throw there were plenty of times where he was pl- pressured and had to run it. 
I mean, it, it was kind of a little bit of both. The run blocking, though, is just garbage. Like, it is just terrible. When are we going to be able to run with running backs? When we can make it a hole between tackles? Like, the only, ch- the only chance we have of running the ball right now is running the option and getting to the outside. We can't run it. We can't run through the tackles for nothing. If we do, we're getting maybe two yards of carry. Yeah. Like, it's bad. Like, the run blocking is just bad from this group right now. Derek, what is your bad? My bad, I'm, I'm going to go with the, the running back rotation. And I, I, I said beginning, at the beginning of the year, I thought we need, by, by the time we got to Oklahoma, we needed to know who our guy was. Well, here we are heading into Oklahoma, and I still don't know who the hell our guy is. And I know Tyler was okay with the running back rotation or running back by committee type of thing, but it's just not working. Like, Gabe Irvin had the best game so far. I mean, he did have two touchdowns, which is awesome. But he ran 10 times for 56 yards. That's not great. Sevian Morrison had eight carries for 24 yards. That's not great. Three yards a carry, really? And then Marquis Stepp had nine carries for 17 yards. And I don't know. The guy ran for 101 yards last week. And this week, doesn't he, he had some carries on the first drive of the second half and never came back in the game. He clearly wasn't hurt because he was in the weight room as soon as the game was over. So it wasn't an injury-related. Uh, apparently, the, the staff just didn't like how he was running the ball that game. I, I, don't, I don't know, but we just need to figure something out with these running backs. And Part of it is on the off- offensive line. Like, make, make some holes for these guys. But at some point, too, I mean, these running backs need to do, do a little something to help themselves, too. <laughs> make a juke. Get around some guys. Do something. So Tyler, Gabe Irvin, he starts the first two games. Marquis Step, he gets the start against Buffalo. Who starts this week at running back? I, I'm going Marquis Step. Um, you know, I, I, I think that he has been more impressive through three games. Now, I will say Gabe Irvin, I mean, you know, he had his best game as a Husker. He had a 20-yard run. He ran hard. There's that clip on uh, Twitter oh. in that when he just – bulldoze the guy like he's he's beginning to play it hard so i you know last week i think i I I talked about he advocating not benching him i know there were some people talking about that i was like you got to keep him in the game get him some carries but i I, i'm still going marquee step um but i will defend the rotation this way it was hot and no one was getting any momentum That, that that seemed like a game that rotating the backs was probably a good idea we do need to figure out something um Again, I how we rotate the backs, I, I don't know if I have the right recipe, but we need more out of that position group for sure. I, I, I thought Gabe Irvin killed that dude. <laughs> he laid him out. Man, I, that was the hardest hit I've seen a running back hit at Nebraska since Eric Crouch laid that Iowa guy, that Iowa defender out. <laughs> Like, like he just laid him out. It was, it was amazing to watch. I just wish he could have kept running after that. Yeah. He gets taken down a little bit too easy sometimes. All right, my bad is uh, going to go to the penalties. Nine penalties for 71 yards. Uh, and, you know, there's it a little bit of everything there. You know, you had an offsides, a false start, a holding, two delay of games, personal foul, defensive pass interference, and a couple others that uh, are kind of – you know, uh, iffy <laughs> to put it like lightly, I guess. Uh, penalties need to be cleaned up. 
and you know we're not con- really consistent. There's some games uh, where you know we don't have a lot of penalties, but there's a lot of games where we do have a lot of penalties. And I know the officiating wasn't great. They were throwing laundry right and left in this one, but you know it didn't affect wow. us in this game, the outcome. But some of those are drive killers. You know that's. Uh, I'll say this. I, I think this year. As a whole, where you know, Justin, you, meant, you mentioned before the podcast, we're twenty five percent done with this season, and uh, you know, really, this is the one bad game. Like, and I'm hoping this is an anomaly, but it was bad that we had nine penalties. But we're forty first in the country, only only averaging five yard or five penalties a game. So that's 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 a huge improvement over last year. Yeah. Uh, so again, we're only twenty five percent through the season, but. Man, it's hard, it's hard to when you see a calls as bad as we've seen in this. We'll again we'll get to that in the ugly. Uh, it's it's hard to get too hard on them for penalties, but at the end of the day, you just can't have nine penalties. You just can't. All right, well, Not against good teams. You can do it against Buffalo, whatever. But you can't you can't you can't do that against Oklahoma. Yeah. Because our offense is not explosive enough to overcome those penalties. Or most our of the defense, Big Ten teams that we're going to play. Yeah, and our defense is as good as it is. It's not good enough to just shut down a team after a big stop, or you know, you get you get a big stop and then you have a penalty that continues to drive. We don't. Have, our defense isn't so good that we could just go. Oh well, we can recover from this. It's every time we get these penalties, all of a sudden this team start driving down the field, or opposite for offense, we start driving down the field. We get these penalties and it just stops. Uh, and I think that's where the concerning part is, but. Again, nine penalties is inexcusable. All right. Especially after you just especially after you just had a week where you only had two penalties. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the ugly, Tyler. Well, I, I apologize. I, I couldn't remember which one was mine, so I might take someone else's here, but I'm gonna go right on the same subject we were talking about, the refs. Um you talked about the ugliness of the uh the, the penalties. Well, there were some pretty bad calls in that game. Um, you know, you have that two. You talked about Adrian Martinez having two passing touchdowns. Well, he should have had four passing TDs. Um, that one they called back on Samori Tori on the offensive pass interference was just an awful call. Whenever you call in New York and they don't agree with the refs, you know that's not a good sign. The holding call they called on uh, um, Bryce Benhart on the uh, Xavier Betts touchdown was just a really, really questionable call. I won't say it was a terrible call, but I've seen that not called for holding more often than not. It wasn't like he tackled him. He didn't have his arms around him. Um, you know, it, it, it was definitely a close call. Yeah, Damon Benning agreed with him on the broadcast. That's our guy, so... <laughs> I, I Again, I think it was a close... I, I, there was a... I, 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 th- I think I've seen... Way worse holding calls get let go. Yes, than that than that one. I thought that was a little ticky tacky, but but but, but, it, but it was a holding penalty. Yeah, I mean, well, and again, the offensive pass interference. Like, I mean, if you want to talk about like, well, was it or could it have been like? I, I suppose maybe, but it just seemed like there were some tick tacky calls. Um, you know, the last touchdown of the game that got called back, which was uh, Will Nixon, which would have been cool for his moment to get a touchdown. I, again, that was right on that border of forward pass. Um, 
again, some very questionable calls on Saturday. Um, and the refs did it both ways. I think Buffalo got probably had a couple calls questionable on them too. Um, just really ugly officiating. I'll tell you one of the worst calls of the whole game, to me at least, was uh, the sideline unsportsmanlike conduct that we had a late, we, I, we had a late hit. <laughs> I, I thought it was a late hit. Yeah. I, I, the, the announcers thought it was a late hit, and suddenly the referees are calling it on the sideline for unsportsmanlike conduct. It, the, ref, the refs were terrible. Yeah. The last field goal to end the game, which, I mean, didn't matter, but if you watch that, it's over the top of the upright, but it looks like it's a good field goal. They still called it no good. Did they now, review that one? No, they did not. Now, now, maybe, just maybe, if you're not Connor Culp out there missing field goals like a drunk man misses a toilet, maybe, just <laughs> maybe, you get the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, well, I... Let's talk about special teams there, Derek. <laughs> you brought it up. <laughs> All right. It, it, it was just ugly. I mean, Cherney had, had, had himself probably his best game, but he still only averaged 36 yards a punt. Uh, he f- punted five times, 180 yards. He did put three inside the 20, though. And he put that one on the two-yard line, which was pretty damn good. Uh, but overall, it was just he just doesn't have a very good leg, I don't think. Uh, our, our, our kickoffs continue to be good. Uh, we had, I think three out of five touchbacks on our kickoffs, but as I mentioned, our field goal kicker, who was all big 10 last year, can't seem to find out which direction he's punting the ball. So that doesn't help. Uh, the, the one good thing, I guess I'd come out of, uh, uh, out, out of Nebraska's special teams is man, we're pretty good about not letting people get field goals on us. Our opponents are one for six on field goals against us right now. And so, I, I mean, I guess it's a positive, but it's not like we're blocking them. So, I, I apparently we're just facing some bad kickers. I don't know. Well, I want to talk about the kickers. Uh, Connor Culp, he's one for four on field goals, 30 yards or longer. Uh, he said uh, – you know, the three field goals missed this game, and he's had two missed extra points in the first game. Does he have the yips? Is it time to try somebody else different at field goal kicker, uh, Derek? I mean, I, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, I, I here Here's my thing. Like, I hate to think that this all-Big Ten kicker all of a sudden just doesn't know how to kick a ball. But... Two games, he's looked pretty bad. Two out of three games, he's looked bad. Yeah, Tyler, what do you think? So I, I, you know, to me, he earned a little bit of a leash after his performance last year. Um, so I, I would roll him out against Oklahoma. You know, you talk about the yips. I mean that that is a possibility. The, the question was, is that a in the moment of a couple games, or is that just going to be a trend? Um, while I do give him a little bit longer leash and I do put him out against Oklahoma, I mean, at this point, the, the leash is almost done. Um, you know, similar to probably maybe the next spot is Cam Taylor Britt. Like, I don't know how much longer I'm going to put those guys out there. Um, Cam Taylor Britt's probably a little bit closer to being done than uh, Connor Culp is. But, yeah, I, I'm rolling out Connor Culp. I mean, here's the thing. If, if the coaches believe, if they're in practice and they're like, yeah, we've got another kicker that could be all conference. Um, 
then then I think the answer is simple. But what I don't want to see is you're going to be in the biggest game of the season and you're going to put out a kicker for the first time and that's why you lose the game. Like if I'm going to lose because of a kick, I would want it to at least be with somebody that I've had some kind of big game experience, some sort of moments. Um, hopefully it doesn't come down to that either way. But I I, I give Connor Culp another game and I don't hopefully think, he does that. I, I don't think it has anything to do with like – uh, having an all-conference kicker this year because that's out the window with Connor Culp. He's not going to get it. Well, what no, the staff needs but... to do, they need to f- find somebody that they can actually trust to put on the field when you need to kick a field goal forty yards. Because right I, I now, just I just I, don't want to see what we did in twenty nineteen, where it's like every game we're rolling out another kicker. And so, if they're going to make the change, we don't. We don't... We don't need to see five different kickers get yeah. attempts. I mean, we're not. I mean, so if, if we're going to roll out another kicker, I think there needs to be, again, somewhat of an understanding that okay, you're you're putting a new guy in, and if he shanks one, it's not going to be like we'll put Connor Colt back in. Like, I, again, I if Connor Colt's if if he has struggling kicking forty plus yards, and you need to put in a little bit bigger boot and try something maybe, but. Again, I think Connor Cole, what he did last year, kickers miss kicks. I said that stat, like, Oklahoma has a really good kicker. Last year, he had four straight games missing a field goal. Like, kickers miss kicks from time to time. Like, Do they go over? No, I mean, not Do very this often. Oklahoma I mean, kicker, because I think he's going to be one I, of the best kickers. We're going to talk about him. But Iowa State, I mean, Iowa State's kicker, I, I just pulled up two good teams. Iowa State's kicker had a game. He went 0 for 2. I know Connor Culp went 0 for 3, which is worse. I'm just saying, like, kickers miss kicks from time to time. Like, I I just, I am not a always, well, got to put the next guy, not not the bench. Like, especially when you have a guy who is a somewhat been proven. So what is the difference between, like, putting another kicker in, uh, between kicker and then, like, a punt returner? What's the difference between swapping them out? They're both specialists, right? So if you're gonna if they're gonna swap out punt returners willy nilly, different guys, why can't you do that to kickers or uh, your field goal kicker? If if he's not uh, succeeding, if he's not doing all the right things, what harm does it do yeah. to put in another kicker? You know that's a fair point. Why not switch quarterback every play like you do? I mean, like every series, put a different quarterback in, like you do running back. Like or wide receivers, wide receivers if, rotate five six times in a series. If quarterbacks only came onto the field three or four plays a game, then I would agree. But for the three or four plays a game, if they're not being consistent, I don't I don't know what the harm is unless you have no trust in the, the backups. But it, it'd be kind of hard uh, to be a kicker at Nebraska and seeing the guy get the starts and he's not making any field goals he's missing the easy ones he can't make anything over 30 yards he's missing them and so it's like wow what what, what's going on right there it's it's puzzling i mean it it hasn't hurt us yet in a game but it's going to hurt us down the road if if he doesn't fix it and i mean until he gets it Straight. I mean, I'm I'm not opposed to seeing somebody else. Well, of course you're not. You always like to see new players. And well, you always like to bet. You you you're the first one to want to bench everyone. And and why? I mean, why are you okay with mediocrity or failure? Why are you so accepting I, I, of failure? I I guess I'm not okay with failure or mediocrity. I just to me like when you have a guy who's accomplished something, two bad games 
is it like enough for me? Three like, out of three. <laughs> but I mean, look at the the scope of his career. I mean, I, again, I know you don't want to count last year at all. You, it's last year; it doesn't matter. But again, I I think that heading in Oklahoma, like. I, I'm going to go with a guy that I have a little bit more, some sort of big game experience, some sort of moment if I'm, I'm going out there. And again, if he shanks the very first field goal, like, okay, let, let's let's if, give another shot. But I, If it was too I, hard for him to kick field goals in Lincoln at home, wh- I mean, what is his psyche going to be being on the road in a hostile environment? And the coaches need to evaluate that, right? Like the coaches, if if they're sitting there and they don't believe he's his head's in it, if he's if he does have the yips, he's shanking them all week in practice. Like, okay, then they they need to judge that. I just I think he'll rebound and be okay. Can can we just start calling calling Connor Culp the weatherman? Like he's all right half the time. <laughs> well, you know, forty percent of the time he's made one. Uh, all right, so final thing of the ugly here. I'm just going to talk about the heat. We talked about briefly near 100 degrees, but 131 degrees on the field. Now, Tyler, you were there at the game. You were inside uh, uh, the stadium, but you were outside tailgating for the whole game. How hot was it out there? Yeah, I was hot. I mean, I, I was fortunate to be in the shade and had beer in my hand the whole game, but you know, it, it was it was a hot one. My wife said she kind of blacked out. It it was it was warm. Um, what was hotter, yeah. Illinois or this game? Well, I wasn't in the shade all of Illinois. Uh, so I I mean, I I, I think I, that I pure. Guess, temp- I would guess this game was hotter. Yeah, I mean, I again, I I was fortunate not to be out in the sun. Um, Illinois sure felt hotter because I was in the sun the whole day. But yeah, I. I Hard to say. All right, let's talk about Oklahoma here. Uh, big game, uh, 50th anniversary of the game of the century, 11 a.m. on Fox on Saturday. It's the uh, Fox's big noon kickoff, I guess. Uh, this is a game we've been waiting for years. It's been on the schedule. Can't wait for it. Uh, your overall thoughts, Tyler? I mean, Oklahoma's good. I mean, I you know, I had him you know, set for the playoff. Um, There isn't probably a team on the schedule that can uh, challenge Nebraska, you know, but there is a little bit of jury out on Oklahoma. They did not look impressive against Tulane. They almost lost that game. Um, They will not face another defense like this Nebraska team. I I do think this might be the best defense they faced, or at least among the best defenses they're going to face the whole rest of the season. So I, while there's a lot for Nebraska to prove, I think that Oklahoma's got some things to prove on Saturday going against the Blackshirts. Almost losses, kind of. That's a little bit of a stretch, but they were in a close they, they game. Won by, they won by five, and Tulane had the ball. They, they they got the ball with, and they had the ball at the end of the game. They were, I mean, they were mid. No. I mean, yeah, they did. Two minutes, two minutes left when uh, that fourth down. He scrambled. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean that that's towards. Okay, they had the ball near the end of the game with a shot yeah. with, with a shot to pull ahead. Under two minutes left, they had the ball down five points. So, but not almost I, losing. I mean, it's like midfield. Well, I mean, to Tyler's point, though, they only scored three points in the second half. Yeah. So she so didn't have a lot of confidence that if Tulane goes ahead, that they're just going to drive down the field and score. Yeah. I, I again, I, I'm I'm with you. Just I don't know if I'd call an almost loss. But I would call it an embarrassing win. 
Yeah. Nebraska, we would be pissed at that game. I mean, oh, yeah. if we and, beat and if, Oklahoma if, fans, if they be, were too. I, I listened yeah, to I mean, a couple of uh, Oklahoma podcasts. I, I watched that game today, uh, the Oklahoma Tulane game, and that first half. I mean, Oklahoma, they looked they looked good. They're fast. Their their receivers are good, real good, and you know they they jumped out to a 37 uh, 37-14 lead, and they came out at halftime and they looked like shit. I mean they. They forgot to come out of the locker uh, room. And, and here's the problem. Like, they had three fumbles recoveries away from Tulane. I mean, oh, that's they second were quarter. winning almost every they – were, they were winning most of the aspects of this game and somehow forgot to put them away. Yeah. Well, that, th- all those fumbles I mean, came into the, in the second quarter. That defense was good for Oklahoma. They were, they were whooping up on Tulane. Uh, but, but, here, but here's my thing. Like, you can't afford to do that against Nebraska if you're Oklahoma. Like, you should be able to beat Nebraska. I'm not going to sit here and say that they shouldn't. But if you make mistakes like that against Nebraska, I mean, Spencer Rattler had a couple interceptions in the game. Uh, you could, I mean, you can't score more than three points against Tulane in, this whole, in a whole half. You do that against Nebraska, you're in jeopardy of losing that game, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we get too farther, too too deeper into this, uh, I gotta say, are you guys tired of all the reporters asking the players on what their thoughts on the Nebraska Oklahoma rivalry is? I mean, I don't know what I expected them to say. I mean, I think I'm getting the answer that I expected, where it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, there's obviously a history there. We're <laughs> we're focused on uh, we're focused on Saturday Oklahoma. Like, I mean, we haven't. I, I'm 35 years old. In my lifetime, the Oklahoma Nebraska game hasn't been the Oklahoma Nebraska game. Like, right. I mean, like exactly. that, that. I mean, when the Big 12 started, that was done. But even before the Big 12 starting, like the 90s, that wasn't a rivalry. Right. Like the rivalry by the by 88 was pretty much dead because Nebraska just surpassed Oklahoma. I mean, me and Derek, we're some old fogies here, but you know, I mean. We were we were still in elementary school when that stuff was going on, when the rivalry was there. So our memories of it, I don't know. Maybe it's just something that you uh, you you think you had good memories of it as a kid, but I don't know if I have. I mean, I remember Brian Bosworth as a kid because I remember being on the playground. Every you know, people would call each other Brian Bosworth and want to be Brian Bosworth. <laughs> But I remember Brian Bosworth more for getting run over by Bo Jackson than I remember him for anything else. Oh, yeah. Hey, I watched a Brian Bosworth movie today called Phase Four. (laughs) Have you ever heard of it? Me neither until today. Was it any good? It was was mildly entertaining. I mean, it's it's on Amazon if you want to check it out. It's pretty cheesy. Was it better than The Killer Donuts? Oh, Attack of the Killer Donuts. Man, are we going to make this a movie hey, segment here? We're recording a podcast, guys. All right. So for for the listeners out there, you got two <laughs> movies to watch: Attack of the Killer Donuts and Phase Four with Brian Bosworth. Let us know which movie's better. And for the rest of them out there, I ain't watching it either. So don't don't feel bad <laughs> when you don't watch it. Uh, you know, but yeah, yeah, I'm with you guys. Like this rivalry to me. It, I don't know. I remember the talk of the rivalry. I remember everybody talking about what the rivalry was. I, I remember uh, 
one of my mom's friends used to have a light switch in her house, and, it, and the cover of it said, Nebraska turns me on and, Nebraska, and Oklahoma turns me off. And oh, I, nice. I, I remember a lot of hatred for, for the Oklahoma. I, I, but to me, when, in, my, in my Husker days of, of really paying attention to Husker football, it was more Colorado. Because in the 90s, the Colorado was the one giving us problems. And then once the Big 12 started, it was Colorado we played on uh, uh, Thanksgiving and, or the day after. And so, so to me, yeah, I, I, most of my memories of Oklahoma are seeing replays and hearing uncles talk about what the rivalry was. Hey, Derek, do you remember the Nebraska-Oklahoma game in 2000? I just got out of the Army. You were still in the Army. Nebraska well, loses that game. I don't remember much of it. And you were drunk, and you called me, and you were crying because our season was over that year. <laughs> <laughs> I was drunk. <laughs> oh, my God. That was a great moment. That was probably the most memorable but, but part. But, you know, that, that that was back when Nebraska football meant something. Back in those days, <laughs> if Nebraska lost, my day was ruined. Yeah. You're right. I mean, it was it was over if Nebraska lost. Like I was just getting drunk. That was it. That was the rest of my day. Tyler, you're trying to jump in. Go ahead. Well, I, I, I just, you know, I, I had, I looked up a little bit of stuff and I, I reflected a little bit on the, uh, the Oklahoma Nebraska rivalry, and and I, I kind of just want to, you know, where this came from. A lot of it was the '70s and '80s, and obviously they're talking about the game of the century part two, and this was when you had one versus two. Um, you know, Johnny Jet Rogers early in the first quarter sealed the Heisman with the punt return. But but that rivalry really got big for Nebraska. I think a lot of the hatred came after uh, Devaney retired because the the history lesson on Oklahoma Nebraska is Osborne couldn't beat Oklahoma. He flat out couldn't beat him until '78. He finally beats Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma was number one at the time. Uh, Osborne finally beats Oklahoma, and then what happens? We get Oklahoma in a bowl game, and Oklahoma beats us again. And so there was just we couldn't get Oklahoma off our bat. Obviously, the 80s came, early 80s, when you had the scoring explosion, really good games against Oklahoma. I mean, that's really the... the When Switzer retired or Switzer left Oklahoma, the, the rivalry hasn't been the same since then. Right. Yeah, we, we thought we were going to get it there in uh, 2000, 2001. Those were some pretty good games yeah. uh, then. But, you know, Nebraska was good then. Both teams were good back then. That was like the only other window, basically yeah. after Switzer, was that that 2000 2001. Obviously, the 2001 game. I mean, we're getting way in the history here, but was the the Mike stunts the Eric Crouch yeah. uh, pass. Um, you know, um, you know. I think that was the game of the century. That was a 30 year anniversary of the game of the century. It was a classic. Maybe the 50 year. We get another classic on Saturday. Oh, that would be great, wouldn't it? That would be great to have something that memorable. Well, let's, hey, let's we're two zero. Oh. We're two zero oh in the anniversaries. We got the game of the century. We won thirty year. We won. Let's go fifty year. Let's go fifty year. So let's talk about the keys to the game here. Uh, what are Nebraska's keys to the game here, Derek? Oh man, I tell you, this, it, this is a t- this could be a tough game for Nebraska. I tell you guys, uh, I I think. The, the the key to me is you're going to have to find a way to really pressure Spencer Rattler. You're going to have to keep pressure on him because if you keep pressure on him, he can he can make mistakes. I'm not saying he will, but he can make mistakes. As I spoke of earlier, he, he threw two interceptions against Tulane. Uh, 
And so I and I think our defense, our, our secondary is good enough to pick some balls off from if he if he can make those mistakes. But the only way he's making those mistakes is if you can keep pressure on him. Uh, and, and it's not impossible to do. They have a good offensive line, but it's not so great that I don't think you can get pressure on him. Uh, the other thing is going to be establishing a run on offense, and it's it's going to have to come from other than Adrian Martinez. It really is. Uh, what I would, what I'd really like to see out of that is, can we get some counters and some misdirection runs instead of straight up the middle or options to the sides? Let's get some misdirection going. See if we can fool this defense because their defensive front is strong. Yeah, their secondary is a little suspect, but their defensive front is strong. Well, Derek, I just want to go on that. You talk about their defensive front being strong, and, and they are talented, but they're not big. Um, they're starting, uh, I pulled up their depth chart, uh, 266, 292, 283. Um, they, they run a three man front. I mean, they're not big. Um, no, but they're fast. They're athletic. They are very athletic, but they're not big. And so that kind of goes to what I would like to see, you know, and this will go into one of my, my number one key or one of my main keys is I'd like to see some power, um, you know, there was there was some speculation in fall camp that Yant had been taking some snaps at fullback. We, we can't. I I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit of eye formation, especially where where I'm going to go with some of the injuries. Like we need to maybe find some different guys so we're not rolling out a bunch of walk on wide receivers on Saturday. Um, I I think this is a really good game. It could be a nice little wrinkle to maybe run 15, 20 plays with a fullback in there. Um, get a little bit more power and just go downhill at them with step at running back. That's why I like step at running back. Yawn at fullback. I, I think you can maybe wear him down, but um, so so that to establishing a run. That's how I'd like to see it. Um, but my key to the victory is how healthy is Nebraska on the outside, and this is tight end and wide receivers uh, heading into this game. Austin Allen, Travis Vokalek. Oliver Martin, Omar Manny, and Xavier Betts are all questionable. Like, you will not win this game. The, the key to this game is going to be determined a lot before kickoff if none of those guys play. You will not win this game because what you'll do if you're Oklahoma, if you're smart, is you'll have a spy on Adrian and you'll have a safety over the top of Samari Tori. And that's what you'll do, and you'll say, dare Nebraska to beat you. Um and, and, if that's a, and if that's the case, I hope Will Nixon and Alante Brown get a ton of playing time and just tear it up. Well, they'll, they'll I mean, have to because uh, due to attrition, they're the no next else. man up. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we'll probably see Levi Falk and Wyatt right. Lever instead. Well, probably. But, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I think you'll see a little bit of Alante Brown. But point is, I to me, I think a lot of the key of this game is going to be decided before kickoff on, or as kickoff emerges on who's actually going to be healthy enough to show up to Norman. So I think uh, we alluded to this uh, in the beginning of the episode, talking about Adrian Martinez and what he means to the team. You know, success rides uh, with him. Uh, Running the ball over or under 15 and a half runs. What do you want to see Adrian Martinez uh, run, Tyler? I'd go under. Um, for a lot of reasons. And, and, and there is a little bit of long-term ramifications about running him 15 times. I also think that while you may call Adrian Martinez the best running quarterback in the country, and maybe he is, 
I think Oklahoma's defense is the wrong team for Adrian Martinez to run against because they are quick. Uh, he might be able to get away with some outrunning linebackers against uh, Northwestern and Illinois and Buffalo, and he'll outrun a lot of people. Oklahoma's defense is going to be able to go sideline to sideline with him, and if you're having to run him 16 times, like I, I just, I really wonder if you're just beating him up uh, for probably not your most successful play. So I, I would, I would like the under in that. Derek, what do you think? I, I honestly don't care either way. If it's successful, run it. What I want to see, though, is I don't want to see him take 15 or 16 hits. Like, slide. Get out of bounds. Do what you got to do to not take the hit. Has he ever he's averaging, Oh, yeah, many times. I mean, it's not his first go-to move, but he's done it plenty of times. I, I guess I don't recall uh, him sliding. But, but if, he, if he's averaging 12 yards a carry... There's no reason not to do it, which is what he averaged last game. And I understand he's not going to do that probably this game. But if for whatever reason he is, there's no reason not to run him. Like, if you want to win this game, it's, it's as it's with uh, his they say. In the, it's, with the, it's like they say in the water, boy, you got to pull out all stops. Like, well, you just you, you, you can't hold anything back, I think is what he says, like 15 times during the Bourbon Bowl. Uh but I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, you just you gotta you gotta do what's working, and if it's working, running him, I think you have to continue to do it. Now, if it's not working, don't continue to do it. Obviously, there's no reason to run him 15 times if he's only getting two or three yards of carry. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. Uh, I think he gives us our best chance to run the ball. I mean, he has been our whole rushing offense through three games so far. He's it. Uh, the running backs, they damn sure haven't been doing it. It doesn't matter if you oh. pick one running back or if you add every single running back. Uh, Marquise Step had a 100-yard rush. He did. Game. He did. I mean, Martinez had two, right? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, he gives us our best I, shot. I, still, I, still, I think you're right. He gives us our best shot. I just wouldn't say he is the only option to run the ball. I mean, I mean if it, you're counting Marquise Step's performance against Fordham and trying to translate that into – Oklahoma, then I'm just going to disagree. I, I, again, I think if you can get some misdirection and get that defensive line going one way and run the other, I, I think running backs can be successful. But I, I haven't seen hardly any misdirection plays this year. I, and I don't understand it. I really, truly don't. It's either we're running up the gut or it's Adrian well, we running. saw a little or, bit against uh, Buffalo uh, in the second half. Saw a little bit. Late, maybe in the fourth a li- quarter. A little bit, but... It was actually a brilliant play. The one that comes to mind was the brilliant play when we ran the, the counter option. Yeah. Where the, the running back and a quarter. And it was, a, it was probably our most successful running play of the day. Yeah. Well, that, it, that misdirection can do a lot for, for a team, that's, especially a team that's struggling on offensive line. So, so what, you, you guys, you guys kind of hit a lot of stuff there and all the stuff I agree with on the keys to victory. But to me, it, it really does go with the black shirts. So one thing, you know, Scott Frost has definitely taken his fair criticism throughout the time. But one thing that Scott Frost does almost on a daily game basis, and we, we've seen it overall, he calls some really good, unique plays from time to time that, that just get some really good matchups and they can big be big chunk plays. Um, 
you know, the play on Saturday with Samori Tori that we got the offensive pass interference with Tori was literally open because of the misdirection of getting him out there. I mean, you see Frost dial these up a couple times. I think he can do that on Saturday. Here's the thing. I just don't think we're going to score 35 points. I just don't see that a reality where we score 35 points. So if Nebraska wants any shot to win this game, they're going to have to do exactly what they did to Buffalo and exceed all of my expectations of what's real. Like they, they are going to have to go out there and they're going to have to hold them in the 20s and, and hope that maybe you can get some sort of running game at the running backs or Adrian Martinez and Frost can pull two or three really good play calls. Um, and hopefully you have enough weapons to execute those play calls and get enough offensive production um, to be able to be in this game. I mean, that that's really what you're hoping for. You are exactly right, Tyler, because our offense is not good enough to win a shootout against Oklahoma. They will win every single time. Yes. The defense, they need to do their part, and they've been doing a great job so far this year. They need to put uh, the team in a position uh, to win the game. Just, you know... Keep hold them to a certain amount of points where our offense can get there. Uh, the defense, they're gonna. God, uh, Derek, you were talking about the two uh, interceptions that Spencer Rattler had against Tulane. We're gonna need so, to force some turnovers. We're gonna need some great help by Deontay Williams. Hopefully, he adds a couple more this game, and you know that would put us in the game. Uh, what I fear in this game is what could come back to hurt us is uh, our late starts. Through three games, we've had some sluggish starts. And our offense isn't good enough. If Oklahoma, if they jump out to a three-score lead early, I don't. our offense isn't built to come back from that, not against no. Oklahoma. No, but what I will say about that is our defense has not allowed a touchdown in the first or th- fourth quarters so far this year. I mean, have we played an offensive juggernaut yet? No, no. But what I'm saying is don't count out our defense for being able to sh- shut some stuff down too. Well, I'm, yeah. What, I mean, that's fair. But, I mean, the offense still where, needs to where, get a, get in there. Well, ju- just uh, Derek. Here, here's, here, here's where I think our offense needs to do. And this is not something that Scott Frost has done well at all since he's been here is I think this is a game that you have to control the clock. Like this is, if there's ever a game where you want to slow things down, this is it. Keep your offense on the field, run the ball, you know, I, go for some shots downfield. That's fine. But keep your offense on the field as much as you can and keep their offense off. Cause that's, that's your, that's your best opportunity to win this game is to keep their offense off the field. Yeah. And can can we do that with our run game? Well, it's not just run game. It's not just run game. It, intermediate passes. I mean, I know that that's not sexy, and we want to see Adrian take shots down the field. Um, but he he has traditionally looked fairly accurate in the middle of the field, um, that seven to twelve yard range. Again, the problem is that route is really been designed a lot for the tight ends, and who knows. Even Chris Hickman was banged up in that game. I don't think his injury is near severe, but like, like who are we putting out there? Are we putting walk-ons out there because, again, that that's going to be a you know they have to be able to catch the ball in close counters, and that's where you want Austin Allen and Travis Vokalek out there for. I I got one more key of the game before you move on, Justin. Is 
and, and, and this is a big one. This is probably the biggest one of all. Can special teams not kill us? Oh, my God. This is the... You know, our, our special teams has as many turnovers as our offense does. Yeah. And so, can, 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 I, it does, I don't expect special teams to be great. I don't expect to make some big 180 turn and be the, a great special teams. I, just, just don't kill us. Just don't kill us. Don't, don't turn a ball over. Don't muff a punt. Right. You know, maybe our, maybe our punter can get a, see a few decent punts. And, and don't miss your extra points and your field goals. Yeah, and, and make all field goals inside 45. I mean, if you're inside 45, you have to make those field goals. I, I asked this question earlier about Connor Colf if you want to see him. Do you want to see Cam Taylor Britt? Line up at punt returner in this game. I, I don't have a problem with it. I, I, as far as the turn, as far as the turnover on against Buffalo, dude, it hit a guy that was getting blocked. It didn't hit Cam Taylor Britt. As a matter of fact, the guy getting blocked ran into Cam Taylor Britt. That, that that play was not his fault. He's had two really bad plays: the what the safety and the and the muff punt against Fordham. Uh, I, I I'm not willing to just. Totally give up on him. Does he him, have the same percentage it, as Connor Culp on special teams as punt returner? As far as I mean, I, I mean, it's just a dumpster fire. Like the whole special teams is a dumpster fire. And for you to sit here and blame only Cam Taylor Britt and Connor Culp is amazing to me because it's just a whole. <laughs> those, there's no. There, those are the two there, guys. Yeah, but, there, but there's no blocking scheme on punt returns. There's no block blocking scheme. Good blocking scheme on, on kickoff returns. There's no. I, I, no, you're Connor right. Cope, it, it is Connor Culp. Connor Culp is what Connor Culp is. Like that's fine. You want to blame him? I get it. But our, our but our punter is not great. Like there, there's so much, so many fingers. I don't have enough fingers to point at everybody you could blame for special teams. Right. So, now. Ju- so Justin, I have a question on the Cam Taylor Britt thing. I just want to poise you. Okay, and this is a hypothetical. But hypothetically, let's say Cam Taylor Britt is your best home run shot at special teams. Okay. He he is your best shot to make a big play on spe- on punt return. Okay. Is the 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 risk reward is that a situation why you'd want to pay Cam Taylor Britt? Well, so far there we haven't seen that high reward okay. yet. But but it, if that is cuz again, Samori Tori has he has said in an interview he has not fielded a punt since high school. If Oliver Martin is still not healthy, like are you going to put are you confident, Moratori, who has only he has done on a punt return is fair caught a ball in seven years on punt return? We've seen Cam Taylor Britt, albeit last year, have some success returning a punt for plays. Do you, is this a game where like I get I get all the 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 failures and I get that the reasons are, but do don't you need to take every shot to make the big play? I guess if you're playing from behind. And you need to make that big play, then yes. But if you're uh, if you're st- if it's still a game, I don't think you put a guy that's a liability out there. I mean, I, I, I think you just just take the fair catch and you know turn it over to the offense. I, I guess to me, I think if we're going to win this game Saturday, one of we're going to need a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown. I, I just I do not see a scenario. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm as wrong as I thought Buffalo was going to score 24 points. But I just don't see a scenario where Nebraska is going to hold Oklahoma to like 21 points. And I don't see a scenario where our offense is going to sit there and not score 30-some points. Like I just, 
I, I think we're going to need something in there to make a big play. And I don't know if Cam Taylor Britt's it. I, I, if Oliver, Oliver Martin's healthy, he's my punt returner. There's no doubt about it. But that is a big question mark. All right, let's talk about Oklahoma here for a second. Uh, what, what does Oklahoma have that Nebraska should be afraid of? I mean, why would Oklahoma win this game? Spencer Rattler. I mean, I mean, he is he is a Heisman candidate. He is a mobile quarterback who could throw the ball deep. He could be the first overall pick. Um, I mean, he he scares the. Sh- I mean, we won't play a quarterback like him the rest of the year. I mean, like, yeah, he, you're right. I mean, the, I mean, Big the, Ten quarterbacks are shit this year. Yeah, I mean, so. Right, I mean the the simple answer is Adrian Martinez. I am a big fan of. I will take Adrian Martinez head up against almost every quarterback we play the rest of the year. We are playing this game with a lesser quarterback. I mean, there's no doubt about it. God, I mean, I don't want to get off on a, a tangent here, but think of the quarterbacks that we thought were actually going to be good this year. You know, Penix, uh, Mertz, Mertz, Taylor Morgan. Morgan. Uh, to, to, to be Clifford. fair, Tyler, Tyler and I never really bought into the merch hype, but some people did. But, but you know who you know who the best Big Ten quarterback might be right now? Peyton Thorne. Yeah, that dude's tearing it up. Like he's impressing me. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Well, we'll be talking about them here in a little bit when we do our games of the week. But sticking with uh, Oklahoma, uh, and another thing about Oklahoma is uh, their kicker, that Gabe Burkich. I mean, he's got uh, four 50-yard field goals already through two games with a 56-yarder. All they have to do is basically get inside the 40-yard line, and they're damn near guaranteed points. That's how good that their kicker is. Just get inside the 40-yard line. So that, that stresses out the defense a lot because if you can't turn the ball over or allow them to get there that just shortens the the uh the playing field and if we get into a scenario where we get into a lot of three and outs i mean it could be like uh you know death by like a thousand paper cuts where shoot we could hold them to a three and out but if it's a field field position thing and it's on our side of the field they still might get a, a field goal our punter I mean, shoot, from the 40-yard line, we're not even guaranteed that he can even make it into the end zone with his punts. And he, they have a kicker that can kick field goals. So that is one I, huge I, advantage for Oklahoma. Maybe. I, I just don't see this coming down to worrying about field goals. Where, where we need to be worried about, where, where, where Oklahoma beats us, is while we have a great secondary, they have some phenomenal receivers. Dude, Marvin Mims only has six catches this year, but he has 136 yards, averaging 22 yards a catch. Yeah. I mean, that guy's that guy's gonna be tough to stop. I mean, he's gonna be tough to shut down. And not only that, but they got Mario Williams, another wide receiver, he's got 10 catches and two touchdowns. Uh, Jaden Hasselwood's got two touchdowns. They have seven tight ends that have catches. Yeah. Seven different tight ends. Well. And Derek, to that point, Quentin Newsome, and, and for that matter, Braxton Clark, when he's gotten snaps, I mean, like, I, I feel good about our safeties. I think our safeties have been great. I think Tam Taylor, Taylor Britt has proven enough and has played well enough this year. He's good. 
that other corner spot has not, I mean, been impressive. And you just wonder if Oklahoma has so many weapons that they can just pick on that corner that whole rest of the game. Yeah. It's, I mean, the secondaries, they are definitely going to be challenged in this game. Uh, this is going to be their biggest challenge probably of the year. Yeah. I mean, oh, I mean, Ohio State's which, receivers which are going to be great, which, but I just want to say, like, I we'll get into predictions. But if if Oklahoma scorches Nebraska's defense, like, don't ask me the question on Monday. Do I think this can be a top twenty or thirty defense? Because <laughs> I'm expecting this to be the worst our defense looks all year. Like, this game will not. Like, this is not an indictment if Nebraska can't stop Oklahoma. Is there any if, moral if, victories as far as uh, for as far as the defense is concerned? Like giving up a, a, and a yard a yard amount or score amount? No, I don't. I I I think year four there there's where we want this team to be. There is no moral. I mean, sure, if if we lose a game fourteen to seventeen, and I mean that would probably be a moral victory by the defense, I guess. But it, yeah, it's, it's a pretty high bar. What you would need to do in a defeat for a moral victory. Well, Tyler, how do you see this game panning out? Well, unfortunately, I think you hit on it. I, I think we're going to get down early. I, I think Oklahoma is going to come out and they're going to get up two to three touchdowns going into halftime. I think Nebraska in the third quarter actually kind of gets a little spark and you'll hear uh, Joe Klatt talk about how this is a game and I think there'll be a moment where we probably pull within one score in the third quarter, but Oklahoma pulls away late, and um, yeah, we, we just we just can't ultimately slow them down and generate enough offense. Derek, how do you see this game playing out? Well, how I see this game playing out is this is I hate to say it, Nebraska Super Bowl at this point. And we got nothing to lose. Look, here here's the thing: if Oklahoma loses by or wins by seven points or fourteen points. It's going to look bad on them because they barely beat Nebraska, right? Like, this this is Fordham for, for Oklahoma at this point. Ouch. Like, you can't barely beat Nebraska. You have to you have to beat us bad. And I so I think if you're Scott Frost, you have to pull out the playbook. Like, there's no holding anything back. I want to see every gimmick play you can come up with, and I want to see every blitz you can come up with on defense. Do what you got to do to try and win this game. Try and keep it close. If you get burned on some blitzes, maybe you got to start backing off. But you know, and if the if the gimmick plays aren't working, but what I, but what I see happening is you just you just go out and try to win this game. I, ultimately, I don't think it's going to happen. But you just you got you got to give it everything. Like this is a no lose situation for Nebraska. Yeah. The only thing that can make you look bad is losing by forty points. That's the only thing that can make you look bad at this point. So one of the things uh, that I look uh, in this game, and we already talked about, none of these players know that know anything about the rivalry between Nebraska and Oklahoma. You know, they're they're far too young for that. You know, parents and old fogies. You know, they're living vicariously through the players for this game, just for the n- nostalgia of the '70s and '80s, right? But what they do know, Oklahoma's players do know is that Nebraska tried to get out of this game earlier in the spring. And I think that might ha- be in the back of their minds. And there's probably going to be a lot of trash talking on the field. Uh, Nebraska starts off slow. And if they get behind, 
there's gonna be a lot of trash talking and Oklahoma's gonna feed off of that you know telling those players like this is why your coach was trying to get you out of this game and you know and it's just gonna snowball I don't see this ending in a good way for Nebraska especially if there's injuries uh at at the receiver and tight end our offense is already bad our offensive line is terrible and the ability to score some points lies with one guy. We are one man, one deep, Adrian Martinez. You can throw Samori Toure if you want in there, but if he doesn't have any help, Tyler, you alluded to it, that's easy to shut down. You know, quarterback and safety help on the top, that doesn't really bode well for Nebraska in this one. And Nebraska's defense, yeah, I mean, we hope that they can uh, get this uh, get this going, keep us in the game. But we haven't faced an offense like what Oklahoma. Their receivers are huge, and they they're very talented and fast. Uh, we've we struggled at times against uh, uh, early on, you know, in the games uh, in the first half of the previous three games uh, in the passing passing defense. Uh, this isn't going to end well for Nebraska. And uh... well, so, Justin, I just want to I just want to say. So, I know you talked about like Nebraska tried to get out of this game. Do you think that is at all like that hasn't really got brought up a lot? But if I'm the players, I, I, you know, and again, I don't know what motivates them. But if I'm hearing, I'm you're scared of Oklahoma. You're scared. If I'm if I'm a player, I'm thinking I ain't scared of Oklahoma. I mean, we've heard players allude to it, like Mark Key Steps, Moratoria. Like this is why they came to Nebraska. Like they came to Nebraska for this type of game. They may be dead wrong. They may should be scared of Oklahoma. But I'm telling you right now, they're sitting in their dorm rooms or in their apartments in Lincoln. They are not scared of Oklahoma. No, they right. they they played this. You know. These teams have played Ohio State's that have gone to the playoffs. They've played those big games. They they, they were they're going to go in there, and I wouldn't be surprised if we have a chip on our shoulder. Again, I just but they're going to hear the, the trash t- talk. They'll they will hear the trash talk on the field. That, that's fine. And, and and again, and I but I, I think Frost. I I know the narrative is he was scared of Oklahoma, and again, he probably should be scared of them. Yeah. But I, I I think right now. I think there's a lot of chips on that shoulder. I, I, I would love for this podcast on Tuesday to be. Can you believe what Nebraska did? I mean, because I wanted to leave you guys with this: if Nebraska wins, we know where the narrative on Frost is right now. Does it flip? Does does the whole narrative on Scott Frost flip if he beats Oklahoma? One hundred percent, it does. Because now he would have achieved uh, a signature win. Finally, has a signature win. Beat a ranked opponent. Uh, yeah, I I I, dis- I disagree because I know Justin too well, and I think what it will turn into is see we should just go back to the Big Twelve, or just follow him to the SEC. Yeah, let's go to the SEC. Go to the SEC. <laughs> like, but, I, I so you can say know. that like, about I, me, Derek. You can say that about me, but uh, amongst Nebraska fans in the Nebraska land. That script changes, and 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 nationally, it I think changes. for some, I think for some it does. Nationally, I think it definitely does, and I think for some it does. But I think there's still going to be homers out there that want Frost gone. 
like <clears throat> one on this podcast. And I, I don't I don't think one win is going to change that. I it's going to be, well, what do we do the rest of the year? Because I, yeah. if we don't win seven, eight, nine games, like, look, if we beat Oklahoma, expectations change dramatically. And all of a sudden, you have to win nine or ten wins. Because six or seven wins isn't enough because you just beat Oklahoma. Does that scare yeah. you? <laughs> do those expectations scare no. you? No. I, but but I think I think more the change. I think the narrative that changes is more the expectations than the the narrative of whether or not we should get rid of Frost. I mean, that, that's a great point, Derek. Because if we beat Oklahoma on Saturday, I mean, we'll we'll get into the games of the week here shortly. But the Michigan State game, I mean, I think right now we're all a little butt puckered on because um, we don't know what Michigan State is. You know, there's obviously a lot of other games that scare us as the season goes on, like. If you beat Oklahoma, I mean, you can't be looking at that schedule saying, like, our, our confidence rankings, like, immediately, like, every game goes up two points if we oh, beat yeah. Oklahoma. Absolutely. Like, and so. And, and, and that's just it. And then, and then here's the thing. All it takes is to throw up a turd against Michigan State, and then somebody like Justin's right back on the C. We just got lucky that game. Or, or or whatever the case may be. Or Oklahoma's but, not as good. Look what they did against or, Tulane. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, look, yeah, look what they did against Tulane. I mean, and, and look, it, this this staff is looking at every inch of film on Tulane to see what Tulane did to, to score 35 points on them. And I guarantee you they're going to try and exploit every possibility they can against, against Oklahoma. Can they go Listen, to halftime you you before re- the game starts? So you said you rewatched that. What did Tulane do to have success against Oklahoma? So they were throwing the ball. They threw the ball in, in that game, and uh, they were they were making plays. Oklahoma did not look like the same team offensively or defensively from that first half to the second half. We've had a lot of episodes here where it, we do the tale of two halves. Right? This was a tale of two halves here. For Oklahoma, so and, it, it, and I th- and I think that's going to have to happen a lot too. Like we're going to have to get some quick passes. Like they're going to pressure Adrian Martinez. They're going to, and they may not need to send extra guys to do it, but they're going to pressure him. So you're going to have to get some quick passes off. It's got to be some quick slants. Get some more Tory the ball. Get. I'm hoping we got some other guys that are healthy. Whatever the case may be, but hit, even Chris Hickman, like get him the ball. He, he impressed me. He, he is probably the player. He's probably my biggest surprise of the season so far. So Tulane had some mild success uh, passing the ball in the first quarter. Uh, so they intercepted Spencer, uh, Spencer Rattler right off. You know, I think it was like first play, right? And uh, they drove the field. Uh, it was like at midfield or something where they intercepted. But they got a touchdown there. And, you know, it, they did well, but uh, by the end of the first quarter, uh, Oklahoma had really settled in, and they just ramped it up. It was like, okay, they, they shook all the cobwebs off, and it looked like Oklahoma, the Oklahoma that we expected. But I'm telling you, they just they didn't seem to come out of the uh, locker room in that second half. So, so, so shoot, maybe they're vulnerable in that way, and we uh, get a break. Uh, so... Final thing for Oklahoma, let's get into our score predictions. Tyler? Well, I kind of alluded to what I see the game playing out. Um, I think Oklahoma gets up early. Um, Nebraska makes it a game in the second half, but can't hold on. I'm going to go Oklahoma 42, Nebraska 21. Derek? 
Uh, I, I have it a little closer than that. I, I don't think Oklahoma necessarily gets up early on us. Not, not the way you guys do. Maybe they get a touchdown up on us. I, I don't see them getting two or three touchdowns. I think our defense is better than that. I like what our defense has done. I, I think we can pressure Spencer Rattler. I think we can cause him to make some mistakes. I think ultimately where it comes down to is a fourth quarter. I just don't think we have enough to hang with them at, by the, by that time. I think they run away with it at that point. But I, I, I still see it being a fairly close game. I, I think it's 35-24. Oklahoma. Wow. That's a moral victory to me. Uh, I like Oklahoma. I, I think our, I, th- I think our defense is good enough that I don't think I, I, I just don't see Oklahoma scoring 42 points on us or 40 points on us. I don't, I think our defense is good enough to shut them down better than that. Wait till Justin gives his score prediction. Yeah. Because you know, if I, you don't think 40 points, well, he's probably got him scoring 60, but I almost had 79 to zero. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, but I just think with our offensive struggles, I don't. The thing that you don't want to do is have a lot of three and outs. And if we have as many guys that are going to be uh, missing game due to injury, there's going to be a lot of three and outs. Field position is a huge thing in this game, uh, and that's just going to shorten the field for an Oklahoma team that doesn't need it. I think they walk away with this game, fifty-one to twenty-one. So we will see. Hopefully it's a, it's a more of a game like what Derek sees it. Yeah. It'll be a hell of a lot more Actually, I, I think I think I, I'm impressed with what our defense is doing. I don't think we give up that many points. I don't. I, again, no. I, I do I do think we struggle to score on them. I, I, I think we'll come up with some with, with some scores, but I, I, I can see where we could struggle to score. But I, I don't see I, I don't I don't see our defense giving up that many points. I really don't. All right, well, uh, we're running late here, so we got to breeze through some uh, games of the week picks here. Last week, uh, I went three and three. Tyler, you went two and four, and Derek, you won with four and two. So that puts me seven and five on the season. Derek, you're seven and five on the season, and Tyler, you're six and six on the season. So, real quick for our slate this week: number eight, Cincinnati, four point favorites over Indiana. Tyler. You know, it's funny. I, I thought Murray State uh, gave Cincinnati a lot closer run for the money last week um, until afterwards I saw it. It was a close game in the halftime. I I am not completely sold on what Cincinnati's going to be this year. I think Indiana does figure out something. I like Indiana in this game. Derek? Cincinnati has a great defense. They're only going to 10 and a half points a game. Uh, I, I And... and, and Michael Panex has just proven that he can't play well against good defenses. So I don't think he is going to play well against this defense. He doesn't seem to be, after that injury last year, he doesn't seem to have recovered. Desmond Ritter, the quarterback for Cincinnati, looks like the better quarterback. I think Cincinnati wins this game. I really do. Yeah, before the year started, I thought Indiana was going to win this game. But what I see on the field on Saturdays really matters in how I think these games are going to play out. And Cincinnati uh, gets the vote for me. Uh, this is going to be a fun game. Uh, our opponent here in two weeks, Michigan State at number 24, but Miami. Miami's six and a half point favorites. Tyler. Toughest game for me to predict this weekend. I went back and forth on this. In fact, I still didn't know which way I was going to go to start the podcast. I am going to go Miami. Um you know, Michigan State's been impressive. They've definitely um, shocked it, uh, shocked me a little bit, but their victory is against Youngtown State, 
and a Northwestern team, which right now we have the worst team in the Big Tw- Big Ten. Um, I'm not quite sold. Miami hasn't played well. I mean, it, it's really an interesting game, but I am going to go Miami with very little conviction. Derek? Yeah, I tell you what, Miami struggled against Appalachian State last weekend. I, 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 was, I was high on Miami going into that uh, Alabama game, and they've proven me completely wrong. I will never pick them again. Michigan State all the way. Peyton Thorne has looked like a good quarterback. He's got five touchdowns and no interceptions, throwing 65% of his passes. That guy's impressing me. I, I, think, he's the, I think he's the real deal, and I think he is going to tear up Miami's defense. So before the season started, I had Michigan State picked over Miami. I'm sticking with that pick. Michigan State. Uh, number 22, Auburn at number 10, Penn State. Penn State, six-point favorites, Tyler. Yeah, I, I like Penn State in this game. I know there's a lot of talk about, um, you know, Iowa being the best team in the Big Ten. You know, what Penn State's defense did against Wisconsin was impressive. Um, I know Graham Mertz were, were kind of mixed reviews on, but they looked really good against that game. I think that defense is right along Iowa is the best in the conference. I, I think that they they hammered Auburn pretty well. I think they went by multiple touchdowns. Derek. You know, I, I think this is a tough game to call. Look, here, here, here's the thing. Pet, Auburn, this is impressive to me. Auburn is averaging 61 points per game on offense. They're only allowing five points per game on offense. Impressive. Unfortunately, they played Akron and Alabama State. Uh, Penn State's more tested. They, you know, they played Wisconsin. They played a tough game. I think it's it's at Penn State. I got to go with Penn State here, but would not be shocked at all if Auburn comes in and wins this game. Yeah, I'm going Penn State as well. This will be a close one. I would not bet the line. Uh, number one, Alabama, 15.5-point favorites at number 11, Florida. Tyler? I'm going to go Florida in this game. What? Uh, I know. I You know, this is a thing. I, I don't... Very little conviction here also, but Alabama just doesn't always travel well on the road against ranked teams. And this being a true road game. Are there fans playing in this game? Well, maybe. I don't know what the hell Florida does down there. I I just, I, we'll see what Bama does. Bama, I think right now they are just riding this high after that Miami game. I think them going on the tested, uh, on actually their tough road game of the season. I, I actually like Florida for the upset here. All right, that's bold. Uh, Derek. So interesting stat here. Florida's averaging 609.5 yards a game. That's right, I said it, 609.5 yards a game. Impressive. You're not doing that against Alabama. Emory Jones has two touchdowns to four interceptions. You can't make those mistakes against Alabama. I made a mistake going against Alabama in week one. Or week one. I ain't doing it again. Alabama cruises. Derek, you have become our Lee Corso, man. This is why my this is my favorite segment. Not so right fast, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm taking Alabama here also. Uh Tyler, you're foolish to go against uh St. Nick. So uh, I, I need to get that win back. I, I I'm going on a limb there. I, I, I think Tyler's really trying to play catch up or he's really trying to secure last place this week. Yeah. Because he's picking some odd picks. Yeah. Who knows? Uh all right. 
Here's one that you guys can get from me. Minnesota, Colorado. Colorado's two-point favorites here. Tyler? Colorado took A&M to the limit. I know A&M's quarterback got banged up in that game, but Colorado took him to the limit. I, I think that right now Minnesota is one-dimensional. Tanner Morgan has been average. He, I, I don't want to say he's been a terrible quarterback. He's definitely in the middle of the pack of the Big Ten. I think Colorado's defense is good enough. They held A&M to 10 points last weekend. I just, I don't, I don't think Minnesota is going to be able to run the ball like they did against uh, whoever they played last week, that uh, Miami of Ohio. And I, I think that ultimately uh, Colorado runs away with this game. Tyler or Derek. I don't know if they run away with it, but I, but I'll put this, I'll put this out there for you. They're only giving up eight and a half points a game. They only lost by three points at Texas A&M. But here's the interesting fact. Colorado's defense has only given up 58 yards per game rushing. Like, right now, it appears the only thing Minnesota could do is run the ball. And if, they, if Colorado can, can shut that down, Minnesota is in trouble. Uh, Colorado does run the ball well. They got 226 yards per game. I think they control the clock. I think they do everything they need to do to beat Minnesota. And I, 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 I think it's a good game. I don't think Colorado runs away with it, but Colorado will win. Yeah, I'm taking Minnesota. I, I like their offense regardless. Tanner Morgan hasn't performed well so far, but I think he's uh, still a pretty good quarterback. Uh, they're running the ball great. Yeah, their offense will get it done against Colorado. All right, guys, uh, that is it for us. Uh, any f- final thoughts here before we get out of here? I'm already regretting my Florida pick. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I already wrote it down in ink. That ain't going anywhere. All right, guys, let's have a great game this weekend. Special thanks to our producer, Connor Russell, for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuscast on Twitter at Husker Cuscast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes anywhere you get your podcast. Hit that subscribe button and don't forget to rate, review, and share. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, go Big Red. Frost. It's really good to never go. Now he throws for a first down.